1: The FFPC playoff contest, how to strategize, how to win them, how to bring home those top prizes. That's what we're going to be talking about today on his to Overtime, Sean. You have a piece that will be coming out as we record this, recording this Tuesday afternoon. Should be up on the website by the time you're listening to this, but may. We have some listeners sean that i am amazed at how quick we get feedback sometimes on these shows so maybe they've already listened to it and it's still not up on site but it will be up over the course of the next kind of 24 hours as sean breaks down the ffpc playoff contest and written form will be going through it today obviously in an audio format to uh, hopefully give you a little bit of an edge in those contests number of different contests over there sean Two. they have the football guys version they have the ffpc version They're both similar or identical, in fact, rules as you set those up. And one is a $200 entry point, one is a $35 entry point, and vice versa for prize money $500,000 top prize in the $200 tournament. $35 tournament has a $100,000 top prize over there. So lots of money on the line. FFPC scoring, so it's tight end premium. The big difference in this versus what we'll be talking about at the Underdog drafts. We've done a few of those on recent shows. We also will have one coming up later this week that you'll be able to listen into. But this is a situation where you can pick any player from any team, but the main difference is you can only pick one player from each team. You need to have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, four flex, one kicker, one defense. So some differences there, Sean. Obviously, you don't have the defense or the kicker over at Underdog. You are not drafting in this format, you have the variety of players to choose from. You also are trying to strategize to maximize those accumulated points throughout. So, at the underdog drafts, it is a case of making it through each week, making the cutoff point, finishing in the top one or the top two or whatever situation each different format over there is set up for. This one is who has the most points come the end of the road. So, 12 starters, there's 14 teams, there's basically going to be two teams that you fade. What are some of your I guess, high-level thoughts heading into this
2: contest. Well, first, I mean, this is just so much fun to play. And with the $500,000 grand prize, obviously there are going to be a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's exciting. So if you've gotten all fired up listening to the shows about King Cap and Go Bills and Patrick Corrine, and you're thinking, I could be the next person. I mean, it's half a million column it's not one or two million so I mean you're still going to be just a regular person at the and end if
1: you co- if you co-draft it you have to split it in two so then you know it's two hundred and fifty thousand, but it's still a, a lot of money
2: I mean are there things you can buy with two hundred fifty thousand dollars? column
1: there's a couple of things I can think of
2: yes a couple of things so <laughs> that part is very exciting but mostly it's exciting to play fantasy football and playoff fantasy football is a blast the unique elements of these different contests Just make them so much fun. And as you put together your FFPC lineups, you can't have multiple players from the same team, as you mentioned. And you're still playing scenarios through to the finals. You have the Super Bowl points doubled. Obviously, that's going to benefit the highest scoring position. In most cases, that's going to be the quarterback, especially if that quarterback has made it to the Super Bowl. They've played through multiple games. And so you need to have an idea of which team you're playing as at least a Super Bowl participant, if not a Super Bowl champion, building the rest of your lineup around that. And then you're also kind of staking claims or or making stands on who you think is going to be eliminated in the first round based on who you choose. So you went through the lineup there. One of the things that's so fun about this particular year in playing these playoff contests is that you have so many options. And obviously when you go – and add that extra wildcard team, which happens a couple years ago. Now you're up to seven teams on each side, 14 teams overall. The contest grows to having 12 starters, two fades. And with those 12 starters, (laughs) there are a vast number of potential lineup combinations. But it's not just that, because we know that potential lineup combinations is one thing. Being able to play through players that you're excited about is another. And yet, this year, you've got all of these superstars into the playoffs you have the three highest scoring QBs and all three of them come from Super Bowl favorites which means they're all very live for being your base piece or your foundation asset as you build the rest of your lineup in this contest you have the two highest scoring running backs obviously an Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey you have two additional first round fantasy picks this year at running back Dalvin Cook and then Saquon Barkley was kind of a borderline guy got up there at the very end You have the highest scoring wide receiver. If we put a minimum of ten games in there, his week seventeen did knock him below uh, Cooper Cup. But you have Justin Jefferson, and what more can you really say about him other than it would have been nice if he scored points in week seventeen? Then you have two additional first round picks at wide receiver, and Jamar Chase and Stephon Diggs, and neither of those guys disappointed even remotely. Now Chase misses some time; Diggs is slow at the end. But big seasons from those two players. And then you have four additional second-round picks in C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Brown and Hill were kind of toward that 2-3 turn, but both of those guys hit in a big way. You have the all-time fantasy crusher in Travis Kelsey. So you have the highest scoring tight end that's obviously very relevant in tight end premium formats like this one. And then you have at least two additional high end tight ends in George Kittle and Dallas Goddard. And then there are some other ways you could potentially play that as well, Colin, that we'll get into. That part of it makes the contest. And there are tons of fun players beyond those guys. And there are a lot of different scenarios you can play through these guys and then pivoting off them to other places. And you got a first round pick in Jamar Chase, and then you have T. Higgins sitting there as possibly just as good. And you're probably going to see roster allocations that are i mean not balanced but in the same general vicinity on those two guys so i i can't wait to go through this and start to put together a couple of teams
1: yeah the other part where that and you just mentioned it there t higgins and jamar chase for example we're in a situation this year where there's a lot of 1a 1b or you know wide receiver one wide receiver two on some of these rosters and with the ability to only add in one of those players from each team if it's a case that somebody goes with the the Eagles' quarterback and Jalen Hurts. They have to leave out those wide receivers. I think we could see some very balanced roster ship across these these teams based on the players that are going to be available. And even for example, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. You mentioned some of the wide receiver and options. You know, TJ Hawkinson wasn't mentioned there. So if somebody wants to go that route, right. and the other part, sean that we'll get into, I'm sure, is the uniqueness element. I think sometimes people may overthink just what you have to do to get unique. But with those balanced roster ships and percentages that i mentioned i think that's going to lead to not having to go galaxy brain i guess we'll say to be able to get a little bit unique in this format so that is going to be exciting i guess for people setting out trying to think what is the plan whether you've played in it before or if you haven't played in it something myself and sean did over the last couple of days with some playoff brackets i think that's always a good place to start to kind of path your way through i'm sure if you're drafting the underdog drafts you're kind of already doing that trying to see what ways potential outcomes will affect seeding, who may face off who will follow through to get to those next rounds and, and so on and so forth but the other edge on this is if you have for example you mentioned the the quarterbacks and the, the double points in the super bowl if you also have players that can progress from the wild card to the super bowl you're also gaining that extra game as well so lots of different strategy edges is there any areas before we get into the team specifically that you think people may overlook whether they're veterans off this format or whether they're first-time players
2: well i think as you mentioned we want to have an understanding of how the playoffs are likely to play out and that means not just the scenario you're picking but the most likely combinations that you're going to get And so when you look at this, the Super Bowl champion is overwhelmingly likely to come from one of five teams. The odds are probably somewhere between 85 and 90 percent. 538, I think, has about 87 percent right now that the champion will come from Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Philadelphia or San Francisco. And Cincinnati, especially after not getting to complete that game and having the chance of the two seed being in a situation where they have to play through on the road and they're going to have to play both Buffalo and Kansas City, unless we see a huge upset in that Buffalo Miami game, they're definitely the fifth of those five teams. Cincinnati, also a team I'm playing pretty heavily in some other formats. I don't think that they fit as well for this particular FFPC contest, at least in terms of Joe Burrow. So you're looking at those other four teams. And the starting point on this, regardless of what you want to do to become unique later is just to have an understanding of what the consensus plays are likely to be. And because the bills are so powerful, even though they have this difficult path, the bills and the Bengals obviously have the most difficult paths of these five contenders. They still have odds to win the super bowl that are in the same general vicinity as the chiefs. So you look at Josh Allen, his scoring Ability, that extra game that you mentioned, a a very easy pick for a lot of people. And he's almost certainly going to lead the way at the QB position as a result. The part that works off of that, then, is that if you play Josh Allen and that becomes your quarterback and the quarterbacks are gone from those other teams, then you're probably looking at Travis Kelsey, who is this incredible scorer and tight end premium, as your Kansas city piece. And one of the things that can happen there, if Josh Allen scores enough through the first three weeks is that the bills could get knocked out and Travis Kelsey could outscore Patrick Mahomes in the super bowl. He's outscored him five times this season. And that kind of idea then goes back and underlines one of the other concepts we're looking at, which is that when you are trying to become unique, the part that you're looking at is how many games are these players going to play And what is my scenario there? Because a pivot play or a sleeper type of play is obviously more likely to hit the fewer number of games that player has to play. It's easier for a sleeper to hit once than to hit twice. And so you're going to be playing those unique plays through the teams that you expect to play fewer games. So that's the other part that we're kind of looking at here as we go through. One of the things that I like to do with this and has been helpful for not necessarily having won the big prize although ben and i got close on the playoff two version of it last season we had a team that was in the mix but the teams that you and i have built have been very good at making the money back which means that you're creating a high point total and also creating the potential to win the whole thing as opposed to creating teams where you need a lot to go right and if you don't hit on a very narrow path you're going to lose your money and so you can play it in a variety of different ways i'm not saying that's the best way i'm not saying it's the only way but The more outs that you can give yourself while still having enough uniqueness and a scenario that could win the whole tournament, that's something that I would be looking at here and it's something that we'll be kind of thinking about as we go through the different teams and the different players and how you might try to set up.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: when you do look at the teams i guess you mentioned earlier and people may not be familiar with it but you said soft fade or full fade so there's gonna be teams here that we're going to soft fade or full fade but my question is going to be to you is deciding on those for both ourselves and for people listening in when we did our brackets the exact same team sean we have predicted for all the games to win this weekend and people may say well that's going to be the same for a lot of people out there so we're not really predicting any huge upsets this weekend but We do have some differentiations after those games and we'll get into that in a a little bit but when we're looking at the soft fades and full fades are you putting those specifically the teams that you're not expecting to make it past this weekend is there some teams that may not make it past this weekend that you're willing to add players into how are you making that designation and obviously full fade is completely avoiding them soft fade usually going to be that you may take the kicker or the defense from those is that the way you're looking at it this year again
2: yeah i think this is going to a little bit on just how big of a swing that you want to take and how many teams that you're going to play. If you're playing a lot of teams and you're playing a ton of scenarios, then I don't think you have to worry as much about being wrong on the teams that you're fading. If you're playing one or two teams, then I do think that one of the things you want to at least look at is Okay, if I get it wrong, could I at least keep my kicker and defense alive in the second round, even though kicker and defense obviously don't score as many points in most scenarios? Now, Colin, there's always this outside chance, and we did have it happen, I think, three years ago or four years ago. There was a season where the Seattle Seahawks scored a ton of points and were actually the differentiating factor in the main event, right? So you you can have defensive score. We had last week where the Bills and, and Naheem Hines gets those two kick returns. They can score. You do occasionally have circumstances where a kicker will go out there and knock down four or five field goals, especially if a couple of those are long. I mean, those positions can score. But obviously, the expectation is going to be a little bit lower. You're not thinking, okay, if I get my kicker or my defense through, then I'm on the path to winning the whole thing. But when we look at that first weekend, there are going to be six teams eliminated. Two of those teams you would like to have as the teams are fading two of the teams you would like to have as the kicker and defense and two of the teams you would like to have as players where you picked a guy who went off. So they don't make it through, but the very fact that in the game that they played, they scored a lot of points and, and that would be the team again, where if you can have that be a player who is not highly rostered, then you're in a position where perhaps you cover the rest of the lineups that are still alive that now have similar players to you. And so that's the kind of thing that you're looking at. So, Colin, you mentioned that we're on the same teams here, but we do have a little bit of a breakdown between the games where 49ers overwhelmingly likely to win, Bills overwhelmingly likely to win, Bengals overwhelmingly likely to win. You're probably not having that many teams that go against them. Although, you know, one of the things that we did see this past weekend are the games that appear to be pretty lopsided from a projection standpoint, like jaguars titans came down to the wire and could have been upsets i mean you're probably going to get some upsets and so managers who have the guts to pick a big upset you know if you hit then you're in a great position so it's a matter of do you have a player that you like there do you have a scenario that you think it's realistic but the three games here that i think are going to really go a long way to determining who's in the lead after round one and we say okay well this isn't the contest like underdog where you get cut But it is a contest where the points scored in round one could easily be what determines who wins if you have roster overlap from that point on. So Vikings-Giants, Chargers-Jaguars, Bucks-Cowboys, a lot of interesting things going on here. The Giants rank 13 in sacks. Only two QBs have gone down more often than Kirk Cousins. You give yourself a little bit of an out in the case of an upset. You look at Jacksonville. They rank in the top 10 in pressures per game and in batted balls. Justin Herbert has been one of the most pressured QBs over the last nine weeks. He's only been in the middle of the pack in terms of handling pressure. You pull up the strength of schedule streamer and you see the two, two of the four best defensive matchups are Jacksonville and the New York Giants. Again, you have the Chargers and the Vikings as those teams where the matchups are good to go against. The other two teams in that top four are the Bengals and the 49ers. And you're not going to be playing the Bengals defense. You're not going to be playing the 49ers defense. And so, jaguars giants those are interesting plays on the defensive side the problem with that of course is that they do have some interesting plays if from a uniqueness perspective if you have them through saquon barkley obviously a play if you like them for multiple games richie james and isaiah Hodgins have been right with barkley in the last month so they obviously didn't play in week 18 to weeks 14 through 17 the scoring levels for those three players pretty even James and Hodgins do trail him by quite a bit in expected points. You have to understand they're outperforming that a little bit. But you've got James as the possession threat there with a higher target share. You have Hodgins offering more touchdown upside, more air yards. Those guys are, are pretty interesting plays. Obviously are not going to be on a ton of teams. I think Giants through is compelling. And one of the things that's interesting about that is you can play that and yet still play the Vikings as your team where you expect them to lose, but you're still playing guys. So you'd have Justin Jefferson with the immense upside. You think they're going to chase. One of the things here, even though Dalvin Cook, you're saying, okay, running backs better in winning scripts, maybe multiple touchdown types of scripts. But Cook is, a, I think, a contrarian play on that first round exit where he's more likely to outscore Jefferson in a one-game scenario than a multiple-game scenario. He's got the big play ability. He's got some receiving upside. Obviously, you can score in a game and have your team still lose. And so that part of it is interesting. And the same thing true with the Jaguars, where you have Evan Ingram, the second highest scoring player in the entire FFPC format from weeks 14 to 16. The interesting problem there, if you have the Jaguars actually through, is that the Chiefs are allowing the third most points to top 48 wide receivers, but they're tied for the third fewest points to top 24 tight ends. So then that could push you in the direction of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, both of whom have multiple... Wide receiver one finishes, multiple games with Kirk of two scores or more. Obviously, Zay Jones had that three-touchdown game. And then you even have Travis Etienne on that side, where, again, you have that kind of same dynamic with Dalvin Cook, where you might prefer a running back in a victory, and yet in a one-game scenario, maybe he would be the guy, especially against this Chargers team, that's one of the worst teams of football in terms of rushing yards allowed per play, per game. They encourage opponents to run, and then they're very poor in terms of percentage of positive plays allowed. They give up an extremely high evasion rate. And so, I mean, the Jaguars, I think, are maybe the most fascinating team in this contest because there are so many good ways to play it. And this game is probably the most, I wouldn't say controversial is not exactly the right word, but you're going to have a lot of people excited about this young Jacksonville team, even after the near debacle against the Titans. And on the other side of it, with the Chargers and some of the things that they bring to the table, they're going to be one of the most popular sleeper teams in all playoff formats. And so Jaguars Chargers maybe is the game that, even though it's in the first round, will determine so many of these contests.
1: Yeah, it feels like one where there could be a lot of differentiation. And, you know, even if you go for one player on each side, one of them is obviously going to advance and the other isn't. That's pretty straightforward, but it, it could be an intriguing side to go and the other thing sean is when we're looking to get a little bit contrarian if we're fading some of these teams and you mentioned it obviously it comes down to how many teams you play but is there situations where you want to go you know very contrarian and, and pick some of these teams that we're not expecting you mentioned the field is basically at a 15 percent rate to win the super bowl versus those five teams that you mentioned at the start is there any situations where you're trying to make your builds around some of those teams that that aren't likely to actually to win it all come come february
2: i don't think that you are at least from a quarterback perspective but and as we record this column my understanding is we still don't know if tua or lamar jackson are going to be available this weekend if those two if either one of them is able to play then it will dramatically change the outlook here because it creates a situation where the dolphins are at least in with a chance And if you're in with a chance, and even if you lose, we mentioned that you can have the players that still allow you to be the big winner. If the Dolphins lose, but Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddell go off, they could be the guy that win the tournament for you. On this other side of that, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson would obviously have a chance against the Bengals. They still wouldn't be favored. The Bengals are the better team. They're the hotter team. Lamar Jackson coming off of this time, not having played, you know, we watch all the time about how difficult it is to come back and jump right into things, and yet The ravens with the defense with jk dobbins and dobbins an interesting guy again in that kind of weird dynamic where a running back could be the player despite the fact that you're expecting the team to lose obviously mark andrews becomes very relevant in that scenario but the fun part is that they don't have to make it through for you to benefit from their players going off in that game i don't think though that you want to build your entire roster again kind of working back from that quarterback position around any of these teams. I think the five favorites, number one, you have five of them. So you have five different options. It's not like you're picking one or two teams, but even though, and this is one of the interesting things, both of the teams that made the Super Bowl last year, number four seeds, you have the Rams get really hot at the end and win. You have the Bengals come through as an underdog. I don't think that that is likely at all to happen this year. In addition to just knowing that's what the projections are, suggest and that you're going against the percentages the top teams right now have gapped the field to the extent where i mean i just would be shocked if we're not looking at one of those five teams
1: yeah there's definitely a tear break and there's there's not many options where i can see teams getting as hot as they kind of need to get to knock off the top teams on the road that they would have to in this scenario and then go and face the best of the other conference uh, and win the super bowl but you don't have to win the super bowl to win this contest you just have to add up those points and move forward in those games but there is a couple of other parts Sean before we do wrap up here kind of a a double barrel question for you spoiler alert for the article Sean is going to mention that Austin Eckler is almost going to be a universal play in this format you know with the high ceiling that he has but when we look at somebody like Austin Eckler and if he is going to be you know very very highly uh rostered in this format. Doesn't make sense to to pivot off him and the other part then like and that's not just Austin Eckler that's any player that's going to have a, a high percentage ownership in this one. The other part is when you're looking at a team like I think the best example is the 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 Bengals with the the two wide receivers and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. Is it something that you're going specific for a player that you want to draft or are you looking to see which player you think is going to be less rostered in this contest to, to pick which of them? You know if people are saying. I don't know if I want T. Higgins or I don't know if I want Jamar Chase, but they want a Bengals wide receiver. How how are you making those decisions?
2: Anytime that you have a little bit of a toss-up, then you're going to want to go for the player who is less rostered because that will give you a chance not to have your lineup duplicated. It's going to be difficult to duplicate too many of the lineups with the just very large number of playable guys this year and yet we know that there are going to be duplicates especially among the chalkiest ways to play it you're going to want to move away from that one of the things is that the crazier you go with your sort of wildest pick then the less maneuvering you need to do with the other picks but again it needs to be with a scenario that will work overall austin eckler you expect him to be very Widely rostered because of the huge upside, because he is game script independent. And yet, especially if you have the Jaguars coming through in that first game and you just have the Chargers playing once, then it does bring Keenan Allen into the picture. And so I I do expect that we'll have quite a few Allen lineups. You look at his return, he's been extremely dynamic. He has four 20 point games in his last six. He had 30 points in week 18 against Denver. He's hot. The passing game is going to flow through him. But one of the problems that the Chargers are chasing is that, again, you're going to have Eckler also be very well set up to score in that environment. And yet, Allen someone I think, is a very good play for this contest if you're going with the Jaguars-based lineup in that first round.
1: So, Sean, we can't give away every secret well we can't give away our lineups that's probably the key we give away many secrets as we talk through it here but you're going to give away some more secrets in that article that i mentioned that will be up on RotoBiz.com. you can check that out for all of the ffpc including team level the players that you're kind of advising and why you might pick them for different reasons going through team by team giving your full feed soft feeds and so on so i would highly recommend to check that out it will be linked in today's show notes off of this podcast so do make sure you check it out there is also an article up talking underdog strategy as well and that's from uh, monday so head back check that out it has been updated so have a look try and try your luck at some of these drafts hopefully you can get a win along the way once again today's show is all ffpc stuff we will be talking underdog on our next show so do come back check that out make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get those shows once they go live once again if you are signing up for a one year Rotoviz pass, you can use the code RBRadio2023 at checkout to save yourself 10%. I think I misspoke at the end of the previous episode for the one month subscription. You can save 25% off a one month subscription with the code RBRadio2022. I think I said that it was just 10%. So check that out. It will be running out in a couple of days if you're looking for that one month pass to get yourself in to see what the tools and the content is all about. So check that out. You'll get full access with both of those codes. Until we are back with our underdog show later this week, that one will drop on Thursday. Subscribe to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His with a discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofis.com forward slash podcast.